Currently, the elder board is reading a book together. We do this um, every year. We choose a book and we read it through, and every month we kind of discuss a chapter and, and work through it. And this year, uh, we're actually reading a, a book. It's called Be Mature, and it's a, a commentary series by Warren Wearsby. Um, and this year, we're going through this one, and it um, goes through the book of James. And I want to read um, just a quote uh, from Wearsby from this book. is actually from the last chapter we just talked about last month. And this is what Wearsby writes. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given us. With the tongue, man can praise God. Pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. But with the same tongue, he can tell lies that can ruin a man's reputation or break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and to accomplish tremendous tasks and yet, we take this ability for granted. This week and next week, we are going to be looking at the power of words. How they can encourage and praise, and how they can tear down and destroy. This is actually going to be a little different than the way we normally preach through um, things from the pulpit. Um, as Pastor Joel is working through his sermon series, and, and normally we come up and, and, and when we fill the pulpit, we kind of take a passage of Scripture. This, um, the next two weeks, we are going to be um, talking about this topic. And we see in Proverbs 18, verses, or Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the power of words. The words we use and, and how we speak is a, is a large theme. It's a huge theme throughout the book. Actually, more than 150 times, Proverbs uh, refers to our words, refers to our tongue, refers to our speech in such a way. And the Bible throughout is talking about our words. And, and so I want to use lots of scripture this morning. And once they figure it out in the back, you'll see it behind me. We often think of the book of James when we think about speech. Though the tongue is small, it is set on fire, right? With the same tongue, we bless the Lord and we curse our friends. Our words are extremely powerful. They impact others in ways we don't think about. Once they're spoken, once we put them out there, you don't get them back. We're to be wise in how we use our words, wise in how we use their power. We see this in Proverbs 13, verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 18.4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is like a flowing brook. Words are important. And after all, God created the universe with words. God literally uses words to create. Words have power. God says light and darkness is pushed aside. 
We read in the book of John that Jesus is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word has power. Before we jump too far into the power of words, I want to just quickly open up and, and talk about why words are important. And the first reason um, is not superly complicated or super complicated. Um, it's just that you use words every day. Now, I, I think we would all agree that some of us use a lot more words a day than others. And I think we would also agree that there are probably some who should use less words a day than they do. Um, I could tell you that on average, women speak more a day than men. And those that are marriage or married agree to that. Um, I could also share that on average, we speak about 18,000 words a day. I had dinner with a, a good friend this past Friday evening, and we were talking about um, his writing. And he told me that the last few books he has written, they were about 60,000 words um, each. His, his weekly blog posts are about 1,000 words apiece. The sermon this morning contains about 3,000 words. Now, you may not be writing books or blogs or, or preaching sermons, but you are using words daily. Maybe you're talking to your spouse, texting with a friend, emailing a coworker, or even just praying with your child. Words are a huge part of our lives, and we often use their power with very little thought or concern. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Justified or condemned. The words that you and I say matter. And, and since we use them every day, we should be paying more attention to them than we do. And the second reason is that they hold power. Words have power. The words we speak or the words we type say something that is either worthwhile and a benefit or truthfully not worth anything and even destructive. Think for a moment about your first words. Do you remember what your first words were? Or have you heard the stories about how smart you were as a small child? Maybe your words were, Dada, or Mama, or maybe you were super intelligent and said cookie or iPhone. First words matter, right? Neil Armstrong walks on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Kennedy, um, ask not what your country can do for you. Martin Luther King, I have a dream. Lincoln, four score and seven years ago, right? First words matter. Words have power. Words count. We, oh, we're drawn to words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 to 21. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he's satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words have the power of life or death. How often do you reflect upon the power of life and death in regards to the words that you use? 
Everything that you have said, everything that you have typed has either been life-giving or death-dealing. There's nothing in between. The tongue has the power to kill, to destroy, to hurt, to maim, and to fracture. And we are often too flippant with this power. I know what you're thinking. Every word, every response, even when I just say, okay, is that life-giving or death-dealing? Well, I think it comes down to your motivation, right? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 to 35 says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Heart and mouth speaks. Brothers and sisters, your mouth is connected to your heart. Matthew chapter 15, 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornicators, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. We are so concerned with the outside. We're so worried about our hands being dirty that we miss the very fact that our hearts and our mouths are connected. And oftentimes what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of the dirt in our heart. I mean, we see this in the sermon, the sermon series that Pastor Joel is currently in, right? In Matthew, the Pharisees taught that the law is applied to the external and therefore could be kept externally. Jesus showed them that the heart is the root of the issue. And what's connected to the heart? Your mouth. Are we worried about the dirt on our hands more than what comes out of our mouths? Jared read from James chapter 3. He read that section. I'm going to just read a section of it again. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God the Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. We often speak about a forked tongue. Brothers and sisters, there's no such thing as a forked tongue. It's all one tongue. It can't be salt water and fresh water at the same time. This week, we are going to look at how we use our words positive ways, how we can use our words to encourage, to uplift, how we can do things positively with our words. Next week, we're going to look on the other side, the negative impact our words have. So as we look at how we use the power of our words in positive ways, the first way is that we use our words to provide counsel and advice. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. What comes from the mouth of a righteous man? Wisdom. What comes from the mouth of a wise man? Knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. 
Does this cause you to reflect on your past conversations at all? Is this how your spouse or children or classmates or coworkers would describe the words from your mouth? Wisdom and knowledge? Do you know people like this? Every time they speak, it seems that they speak wisdom and knowledge. Do you have friends like this? You may notice that those that tend to speak wisdom and knowledge, those people in your life that you look at and you think to yourself, every time they talk, it just seems to be pouring out knowledge and wisdom in my life. You may notice that those people don't say a lot. They're not a babbling brook. They tend to be very careful with the words that they say. And when they speak, it's wisdom and knowledge. Do you have people like this in your life that are willing to speak wisdom to you when you need it the most? Are you this person for someone else? Are you the one that they come to for knowledge? And this this kind of leads us into this next point that we can use our words to provide correction and rebuke. Oftentimes, wisdom and knowledge lead to correction and rebuke. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 10, a rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes of fool. A true man of understanding will receive your rebuke. This is someone that you can say, brother, I think you're on the wrong path. Sister, there seems to be this blind spot in your life. You need to stop. You need to think. You need to pull away and look. Like, let's talk about this. This type of correction is not easy to speak into someone's life. And it's certainly not easy to hear. D.A. Carson actually says this when, and it comes to this idea of rebuking. If it is hard to accept a rebuke, even a private one, It is harder still to administer one in loving humility. When you are correcting a brother or sister, are you wrapping it in humility? When you speak into their life, when you are pointing out their blind spot, is it coming from a sense of of a humble nature? Should be. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. It is far better to have a brother or sister in Christ tell you the hard truth than to have somebody provide you with false flattery and just gloss over the things you need to hear. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Ephesians 4.29 is a favorite in my home. I often use it in my benefit, but we should be looking at this idea of let no unwholesome speech come from your mouth. Speak only what is good for necessary edification, right? Only speak words that will increase the potential of someone. Speak only words with a focus on the process involved. Speak only words to strengthen and to build up. That 
is what this verse is talking about. This is the power of our words. Words that come out of your mouth should be meant to uplift somebody, to strengthen them. It should be focused on their potential and increasing it, not cutting them off at the knees. You're wondering, how do I do this? How do I speak into somebody? How do I use this power to correct, to rebuke in such a way that it it uplifts them, it strengthens them? Well, Colossians 4, 6 says this for us, let your speech always be filled with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Are you wrapping it in humility? Are you wrapping it in grace? Do you season it with salt? For those that, that know, my, my choices of food is, is pretty limited. I am very basic when it comes to eating food. Um, I like things plain. Um, I don't put condiments on things. I don't season things. I just eat it the way it comes. If it wasn't meant to taste that way, they would have put all that stuff in it when they were making it, but they don't. So I don't season anything with salt, but if my conversation with you is not seasoned with salt, you should speak to me about that. Your conversations with each other should be seasoned with salt. We should be wrapping it in humility, wrapping it up in grace, and seasoning it with salt because this is the power that we have with one another. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What's supposed to flow out of you? Your heart and your mouth are connected. Well, if you are filled with Christ, if you are dwelling with Christ, what flows out of you but Christ? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. This is what comes out. This is what you're wrapping up these words with. This is the power that it holds. And when it comes to rebuking, this is what Charles Spurgeon says. We are one in Christ. Let us be friends with one another. But let us never be friends with one another's error. I love that. If I be wrong, rebuke me sternly. I can bear it and bear it cheerfully. And if ye be wrong, expect the like measure from me and neither peace nor parley with your mistakes. I would prefer if you did it a little more gently with me than sternly, but I'm not Spurgeon. But we should be speaking truth to one another in such a way that I am not friends with your errors. Do not be afraid to provide correction and rebuke. We often pull back from that responsibility, but realize your words have power. We've been called to use these words. It's just the method that we use. We can also use our words to provide encouragement. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just metaphors. 
This isn't metaphorically here just to make us feel good. This isn't just a dream. These are truths that we see here. The power of our words really do affect the way we feel. The power of our words affect the way we heal. When we are surrounded by positive, optimistic, caring people who build us up and affirm us, we have a better chance of healing quicker and recovering faster. When someone is alone, has no encouragement, surrounded by negative, critical, pessimistic people, that person has a much harder time getting better under normal circumstances. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Pleasant words can shape someone's life, especially at children, as, as children and teens. When I was about eight years old, my pastor told me that he felt that I would make a good pastor one day. That moment was life-changing for me. This man pulled me aside one Sunday and shared with me something I never thought about for myself. He put me on a course. That thought never left my mind. I wonder if you think back through your memories, did someone say something to you, encourage you in some way that changed your course? The words we say have power. 41 years ago, a word of encouragement put an idea that I had an ability to do something I had never thought about. Becoming a pastor. Before that, I was going to be a cowboy. Cowboy lessons, I had it all figured out. Now, maybe your course hasn't changed from a cowboy to a pastor, but I have no doubt at some point, someone's changed your course. How are you speaking to your children, your family members, your students, your neighbors, the kids here at Grace? Are we using the power of our words to help them see the amazing things God can do through them? The incredible gifts and talents God has given them? The wonderful possibilities that lay before them? This is the power that our words have. One more thing before I move past this point. Husbands and fathers, I want you to hear me. Brothers, your words have power. The words you speak to your wife will shape her. The names you use to refer to your children will shape them. Tell your wife you love her. Tell her often. Even wink at her from time to time. Recognize that that even the tone of your response to her will speak of your feelings. Say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Complete transparency. Last night, I am literally typing that paragraph. And Jess comes into the room, and, and she's trying to talk to me, and my response was poor. She comes back into the room, and I suggest, like, like, I'm literally writing this. Like, I am so sorry. 
Like you were tr- she was trying to give me a gift and I brushed her off because I was writing this. The words I spoke were already out there. Like she was already hurt by what I said. Brothers, say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. And, and tell your kids they're beautiful and they're smart. Tell them you're proud of them. When you sin against them, say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And if you sin in front of your family towards a child, make sure that you are saying you're sorry and asking forgiveness in front of your family to that child. The words you speak in your homes will without a doubt shape your home. Your words have power. I know a story of a little girl who never heard from her father that she was beautiful. Uh, She never heard those words from her mother either. There's a moment when a stranger in a grocery store told her that she had the most perfect nose. Seems silly. But those words changed how she felt about herself changed her course. There was now something about herself that she was proud about, that she felt was beautiful, that it was perfect, something that someone told her was beautiful. Our words have power. Are you using that to come alongside other people and provide that encouragement for them? You don't know how your words are going to change the course of someone's life. That lady in the grocery store Gave that not a second thought, but that little girl thought about it a long time. Now, we can also use our words to witness for Christ. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. The power in our words can be a light to those living in darkness. The nourishment they need for their spiritual life is Christ, and our mouths should be overflowing with the gospel. Your heart and your mouth are connected. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Cling to this. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is because someone shared the gospel with you. Somebody somewhere, opened their mouth and spoke words that in God's kindness and mercy he would use to draw you to him. Words have power. Our words, the words you speak, the words you speak every day are those words that are overflowing with the gospel. This 18,000 words we say a day, are they overflowing with the gospel? Have you been do- what have you been doing to become the, the tree of life in your workplace, at your school, to your friends, your neighbors, your family? By your lips, you should give such good fruit that people come to want to know what you have. Recognize, again, you have no idea how God will use your power of your words. 
For me, it was a stranger. It was not my family. It was not my church. It was not my friends that spoke the gospel to me. It was a stranger who showed kindness to me to tell me about the good news of Christ. You have no idea what the power of your words, even to a stranger, could do for their life. We can also use our words to confess. We're able to confess that Jesus is Lord. This is, oh, a good thing. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, in his kindness, God has allowed us that we can use the power of our words to accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. That is some power. God not only allows us to use the words for witnessing, to speak the gospel to one another, he allows us to use words for confession and acceptance of that salvation, and we praise God for these gifts. Our words of confession in Jesus Christ grow into the confession of our sins once we become saved. We see this in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can use our words to confess not just that Jesus is Lord, but we can confess our sins and we can be forgiven and we can be cleansed. That is power. We are quick to overlook this incredible power in our words when it comes to the confession of our sins partly because we don't like to confess our sins and it's uncomfortable to confess our sins. But the other thing is we just don't think about the power that we have to speak our sins and to have them forgiven. The opportunity to present ourselves humbly before our God, using words to confess our sins, knowing that he has promised, that he has promised to forgive and cleanse us. We just need to speak. And then we can also use our words to thank and praise God. He is due our thanks and praise. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And then Romans 15, 5, 6, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant to you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to come together with one voice and glorify God. Give him praise. Give him thanks. With our words, we can give him this thanks and praise. We can give thanks and praise to the creator, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one that said light and darkness was pushed out. That is the power of these words we have. 
God has given us the ability to speak. Minds to put together thoughts. Hearts to seek after Him. We have been created to use these things to worship Him. To praise Him. We lift up our voices in song. We lift up our voices in prayer. We lift up our voices in gratitude and thanksgiving. There's power in this. God has designed us for this. He has created us to worship him, and he has given us voices to do so. He has given us words to speak to do this in the image of him. And these words that have power, we can use for encouragement and correction. We can use these words to lift one another up, to provide uh, opportunities to share the gospel, to confess our sin, and to receive that free gift from Him. And we can use these words to praise our Lord and Savior. And I want to close just with this quote again from Warren Wearsby. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given us. Do you think about it that way? Out of all the things God could give us, speech is one of the greatest powers that we have. One of the greatest tools that we have. And we're so flippant with it. With the tongue, man can praise God. Pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. Not a labor, a privilege. But with that same tongue, he can tell lies that could ruin a man's reputation or break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and accomplish tremendous tasks. And yet, we take this ability for granted. Brothers and sisters, my, my hope is over this week and next week as we look at the power that our words hold, that we will not take it for granted, that we will recognize what it is, the effect it has on others, and we will begin to use it to glorify God even more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are indeed thankful for today. We thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters, that we can be in this place shoulder to shoulder and we can worship you, that we can lift up our voices. These words that we use to to glorify you through song, through prayer, that we can see the the pages of your uh, scripture opened up. Father, we refer to it as the word of God. It has power. Father, would we recognize the power that our own words have? Would we seek out to encourage one another, correct one another? Would we seek out to to have the gospel overflowing from our lips? That others would come to know you because of the words that we have. Father, that we would use these words to confess that you are Lord, that we would use these words to confess that we are sinful and broken, that we would use these words to praise you and to give you thanks. Father, these are all gifts from you. We rejoice in the power 
of words. It is our goal that we would continue to use them in positive ways. Father, be with us as we struggle to do this. We know Scripture is clear that the tongue cannot be tamed. We know that this is not a light switch that we can flip on, that this is an ongoing battle that we face. Would we be prepared to fight our tongue, that we would use it to glorify you? Father, we know this is only possible because of your Son. We give you thanks for him this morning. We pray all these things in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name. Amen.